Hi, my name is Monica Gleberman. I'm Victoria Dupuy. And you're listening to Silence Onset Podcast. Today's episode is unlike anything we've ever done on this podcast before. Monica was invited to a roundtable with the cast of Mayor of Kingstown, which is now streaming everywhere on Paramount+. Plus. So if you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend. The cast is phenomenal and the storyline just hooks you right in. So please go ahead and give it a watch. So how a roundtable works is during this episode, you will hear a bunch of different questions from a bunch of different journalists, including our very own Monica, who are talking to multiple different members of the cast. So stick around until the end, and we hope you enjoy. First, we will have Adrian. Adrian is from the Albuquerque Journal. Thanks for being here, guys. I really enjoyed this. For each one of you, if you can, whoever wants to answer, what initially piqued your interest into this? I know, I know Hugh is a co <laughs> he kind of uh, wrote it all but i guess what drew you what drew you guys to this production go ahead emma i mean for me it was it was really the writing it wasn't even my character because i got sent the pilot in episode two and i'm in one scene episode two and i just had a, a, a brief character description and i just remember reading the episode one and also having to read it about four times because there's so much going on but i usually think that's a good sign and I'd been familiar with Taylor's work before, and it was really just, I, I dropped three projects for this. I had a, a Netflix film, I had two Amazon series that I was already, I was, I'd been offered the roles for, and I read this and it just changed everything. Um, it was Taylor and Jeremy was already on board. And once I got on the phone with Sheridan, it, he told me the arc, and then it really became this realization that no, none of the other roles that I was <coughs> would I be able to express myself and, and kind of showcase what I can do as an actor for my first time on, on, on a set? It was, it, yeah. there's, there's nothing else on the market or that, that I read that was like this. It's, um, it's got everything that a show should have and there's heart and there's the drama, but there's authenticity and there's stories that are not glamorized, but need to be told. And it's just, it was the writing. It really was the writing for me. <laughs> Next we'll have Danielle from Black Girl Nerds. Hi everyone, Um, so happy to be here. Happy Mayor of Kingston Day. Um, So my question is actually for Hugh. Um, So I wanted to know what inspired you to create a show that not only focuses on inmates, but also unpacks the prison industrial complex business that people don't usually learn about in a TV show, a movie, or in general. They don't, I mean, it's prisons are the most brutal, unfair, uh, places in our society. And for me, I grew up in a town that had nine of them. And so as a kid, I was just always, you know, when you pass the, um, the guard towers, when you're five and six, you think it's Disneyland. And so it just, and my folks were, you know, that's not Disneyland. And so where I was from, there was a Millhaven maximum security. There was a medium, a minimum, a women's pen. And, um, it, you know, what my friends were, my mom was a teacher, my friends' parents were prison guards and inmates, and it's just where I was from. And I've always been fascinated with this unseen, uh, you know, uh, prison complex. It's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's a world unto itself and how we treat those inmates and those people and how that bleeds into a town that is uh, housing them. It's, um, it, I had just never seen it before. And as a, as a songwriter and as a writer and as an actor, and, um, I would keep coming back to this story and Taylor and I had been, you know, he was originally my acting coach 15, 20 years ago, and we would work on scenes. And then we'd talk about what we'd really like to do and what we'd really like to make. And, um, he was interested in this town that I was from and, um we just kind of it just we always circle back to it uh and there's an authenticity in that fact that that's you know where i really grew up that just it it was a story i always wanted to tell and get into and taylor's you know from texas so his thing was he was fascinated with the same thing we had a great 
uh, executive producer Michael Friedman, who worked on Locked Up for many years as an editor, and um, it just snowballed. And then, of course, we have this awesome cast, and uh, we were so lucky to get Toby and Emma and Jeremy and Diane, and, and uh, it just kind of blew my expectations out of the water with what we could really um, execute. And next we'll have Jimmy from Bleeding Cool. I would like to ask Toby the, the themes of systematic racism and corruption and equality in this story. I'd like to know your reaction to the first time you read the script, please. Um, the first time I read the script, what I particularly resonated with was the depth of the, the depth of humanity with each character and how that humanity plays out in the scenes that you then see on, on, on the page. Essentially speaking, when you look at it from the, from you, when you look at the overview of it and you break it down, you're looking at people who are, who are forced to live in very stressful, strenuous circumstances and r racism being one of them, but it's, it's, it was it was much deeper than that. You see the emo you see the emotional the emotional strength it takes um, to uh, first of all create something like this, and also to be able to tell it in a way that isn't um, contrived or isn't um, is it didactic is the right word. It's not really telling you ah oh, this is the right way to be or some some you know it's not judgmental. Do you know what I'm saying? It's more like these are human beings. This is what's happening in where they live. Obviously, there are solutions to that, but in the meantime, before the solutions arrive this is how it's going to play out. And these are people, the people you're talking to, the people we're watching are people who are very well aware of the circumstances that they're in, which sort of puts a whole different spin on it. Normally, well, when I watch some, some of the things that I've watched before, they, um, it, ten it tends to be one or the other. Either you're looking at people who aren't really aware of what's going on and things are just happening to them, or it's the other way around where it's, People are, they're very aware of what's going on and that's the, that's the issue that they address. And then, and you sort of, you sort of, um, you lose the, the, the depth of humanity in, in, in those process sometimes. Um, doesn't mean that they're not good, they're amazing, but it's just with this, it looks at, it looks at everything from a very, very human perspective. So you have, you have people, my character, for example, is looking at, he looks at his position in the world. He looks at how he's treated in the world. He looks at his desires and what he wishes in the world. And when you think about that, you sort of kind of replay, obviously, certain atrocities that, have, that we've seen on TV, George Floyd being one of them, um, amongst the others and things like that. And you sort of, it's like, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I get really emotional trying to explain it, but it's, it's just, um, it's, it's the level of depth that, um, the level of depth that, that is excavated with each character in, in the show that allows you to see the full effects of themes like racism, theme, theme, um, themes like uh, mass incarceration, you know, themes like uh, um, um, uh, sexual abuse, drug abuse, things like that, you know, it, it just, it, yeah, it gives you a very microscopic view of, of humans in these situations. And yeah, that, that, that's what I love about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> and next we have Alec from Den of Geek. This question is for Hugh. I wanted to ask specifically about the scene that kind of closes out episode two, a very harrowing um, execution scene. And we're, we're not, you know, unused to death on television, but this was death in a fairly particular and terrifying manner. Um, what was the inspiration for including that so early? And what do you think it adds to the series? That's a good question. I just, I just, I remember when, um, Taylor had come up with that. And, uh, you know, so much of it is how these situations that we're kind of aware of on the periphery in our cultivated kind of civilized lives, how, how does that bleed into our, uh, you know, who we are? And how far does that get out there from seeing how it really, <coughs> excuse me, transpires to you know, the wall to society, to the newspapers, you know, Taylor was just, uh, and to his credit, he is, uh, he is fine with, with um, making an audience uncomfortable and telling these stories. And that is why I am uh, 
you know, I, I'm, I have always just been so such a big fan of the way he works. He, 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 you know, he was my acting coach 15 years ago because he, he has a way, you know, really of deconstructing scenes and emotions and the world in such a way. And this was just him as a coach before he became, you know, focused his attention on writing. And once he did that, it is that deconstruction of those scenes and of that world that echo into the rest of the series and echo and and you know what does that say about our own desensitization and what does that say about who we are and how how the fuck are we not paying attention and next we'll have james from down and nerdy podcast so toby my question's for you we actually get to see your character a lot with mitch and mike in these first couple of episodes talk about a little bit about the trust level between the three of them and how they actually work together. Cause I think those are some really great scenes. I guess one of the things that we have to, one of the things that I understood from it is that, is that when you're, when you're coming into this world, you are, you are coming into a, it's an already established ecosystem. So um, Bunny being in the position that he's in, it's not just any kind of position. It's a position that is, that has uh, certain benefits. Uh, it's also a position that has a lot of responsibility. That being said, the mayor of Kingstown is also, you know, he's sort of like the guy who facilitates all of that. There needs to be, in, in, order, in order for things, in order for there to be peace in this, in this world, there has to be some sort of mutual trust. Um, it, it might be a very tenuous one in that you don't necessarily trust what's happening um, or you might not entirely trust what the other person is saying because there is always that risk of uh, uh, um, uh, betrayal or whatever. But it, again, it's, it's the ecosystem that they live in. So it's, it's almost like you have to, you kind of have to take people with a pinch of salt. Um, so the relationship between the two of them, Bunny and, 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 and the mayor of Kingston is, is one of, I would say it's one of uh, trust, a tenuous trust coated in respect because for you to do what them two are doing, man, you need to have some stones on you. Like it's, yeah, so, and Bunny understands that, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I hear you. For you to come to me, that, that kind of thing. If you want to come into this, this world here and you're going to come in there with, with, no, with no aggro, then uh, there's something to, to, to understand. There, there, there's something to respect here. And next we'll have Gabrielle from Distractify. My question is for Toby. Uh, your character and Jeremy's character have a great scene at the end of episode two, which, as you talked about, really shows the humanity of being a product of your environment. Um, yeah. As your character states, you know, being 37 years old and never celebrating Christmas before and just kind of listing off in a quiet sense the mundane things that he doesn't do or worry about, like, quote, unquote, mm. normal, everyday people. Um, so for you as an actor, are these scenes, these small, quiet moments that really show the duality and layers of the character more fun or sometimes harder to sink your teeth into compared to the scenes where you and Jeremy are yelling in each other's faces and have your, drawn, your guns drawn? Ah uh, well, okay. I, I need to explain something about myself. So when it comes to when it comes to this career, this this job, or when it comes to stories like this, uh, there is no fence I won't climb. Like, I love it. I love breaking down a script. I love juicing out a a scene. I love all of that. So I don't find it difficult. What I try to do is I just try to find a way. I try to find what's the best way this works try to find the meaning behind each word because i'm of the understanding that when people when people use words um they use particular words for a very particular reason and it might sometimes that reason might be down to their understanding or their level of education or not it could be to convey a particular emotion um so that scene um that scene was actually one of my favorites because it is com it's completely contrasted to what you would expect in this world we're talking about. What you would expect a black man who is who is you know who sells narcotics or pharmaceuticals, um, who is potentially quite violent. It, it, it completely contrasts what you would expect him to say. Do you understand? And so it's it's those it's those kind of moments 
that I really, I really thoroughly relish. It, I can't, I can't talk about it enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't find it difficult at all. I love every aspect of it, even the even the scenes that are loud and big, and you know, there's this and that's happening, and stuff is flying all over the place. Even those scenes, I love those as well because then you just get to really, you just get to really enjoy the moment that it's in, and. Once the director yells cut, sometimes you get the opportunity to do it again. And it's like, okay, how do we maximize this? And otherwise it's, you know, scene's done, got it in the can. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you know? And next we have Jessica from Geek Pirates. Hi there. Um, my question is also for Toby. Um, I loved you in Feel Good. And so I was really excited to see you in Mayor of Kingstown. Um, Thank you. In this series, which is a really serious drama, um, was your character written as a funny gang leader because you seem to bring a lot of levity um, to the scenes that you're in? Or um, you know, do you, did you just bring that to him as a choice? I feel like it was a bit of both, but to be honest with you, a lot of it was already in the script. Um, I wouldn't say that Bunny was funny. I just say he's a man who is, who is most of the time very free with his words. So you, you have to sort of bring the attitude with that. And um, uh, my first day on set, uh, I asked Taylor, Taylor was directing, and I asked Taylor, how, how free can I be in this? And Taylor said, oh yeah, you can add lib if you want. And I was like, all right, <laughs> boom. <laughs> so it just, I kind of just let it all out. And um, yeah, it just, it builds the character. It builds, it builds uh, the, the, the essence of the character, particularly with all the work as well that I did beforehand, before coming into the show. So, yeah. And next we'll have Elizabeth from 137PF. My question is for Hugh. And I guess since you're a co-creator, how do you separate that role from also being an actor on the show? Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's pretty easy because when I sit behind the monitors and I watch Emma and Toby and watch them bring this to life, it's, I forget about the acting and the rest of it. I, I just do, it's, you know, from seeing them audition to nailing it to, you know, you may have noticed their accents, <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> me, both of them have such a charisma and such a skill set. It makes me love the, um, you know, I, I, I just, I, 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 I love, the producing part of it. I just love assembling it. I love this show. I love how we put it together and watching, you know, uh, Jeremy, Diane, Taylor Handley, everyone, you know, it's a family now. And, um, but with these two in particular, I have always had such a connection with them. I lived in England for a while when I was, um, you know, when I was a youth, like 30 years ago, 20 <laughs> years ago, and I was up to no good. And for whatever reason, I we just clicked, the, the three of us, and I just couldn't be happier for them. And as an actor, to see them just nail it in every regard and see that satisfaction because they know that that they have it. You know, there isn't any, oh, I hope I got that. That, you know, this set was, Taylor set us up. And really, it comes down to Taylor Sheridan. He set us all up for success he rolled into town. He had us all ready. He, you know, answered every question and, um, you know, gave us the confidence to move forward. It wasn't any unanswered, ambiguous, you know, uh, which can somehow sometimes happen on in scripts and shoots. This was just locked and loaded from day one. Emma had gone to Texas to to um, to uh, audition. Um, Emma, do you want to mention that? I mean, yeah, it was <laughs> it was an experience. Like Texas were having they were having a snowstorm. We're in a global pandemic, and Taylor's like, I will not cast this role without without meeting you in person. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I'm like dropping all these things. I'm like, Taylor, you need to make your mind up because I can't like afford to drop another project for you. Um, but it was so worth it. And it's it's so funny because it's just um well, it's not funny, it's just uh, the fact is that you know we're all just for, for my character comes in the the sweet spot is five onwards for me I think um but it's been yeah it's I mean uh, yeah I had to fly to Texas 
and and you see, you know, from my from from where I sit uh, producing, and what we've done, you see the you know it, the being an actor is not easy, and the commitment required on top of the skill set, and I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's like I always kind of. You know, I kept my head down and did my own work when I was acting. And, you know, you you forget what is in, you know, required, especially on such a big show. And I remember Taylor sent me Emma's um, audition tape and I was like, that's it. She it was so detailed and yet fluid. I was there was never in my mind. There was never anybody else. That was my number one choice. So then to see then still that, oh, she's got to jump through some hoops and you just, you can't. And that's the funny thing about producing too. You can't say, oh, you've got it. You know, you're nailing this. You've got to just wait until it, it's like watching a, a baseball that you've thrown go through a glass. You're like, it's in the air. I hope it connects. And then it breaks. And then once you had it, I remember, Emma, when you showed up on set, it was like we'd known each other for years. <laughs> we like, I was so excited to meet you. And I get I have to go to set um, while, while they're shooting parts of episode one to do an outfit okay, like approval with Taylor. And I see him on the phone outside set. <laughs> I just open the door. We just lock eyes. And I'm like, Hugh! And then we get into the longest <laughs> conversation. Everyone's coming up and they're like, Emma. And I'm like, we're going to continue this. But it was just like, <laughs> And that was like, I think that was everyone on set. Like I, I, and I know every actor says it in every show and every film that it's, it's like a big family, but it, it really, really is like this cast, Kathy Sandridge, Kathy Sandridge, the casting director needs, I sent her flowers during production because I was like, you have created the most special environment for everyone on, involved in this project. I mean, th- aside from how it's, how it plays out on screen, just the how it felt for all of us was, it, it's like, it's a family. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm saying on a, on that. And same with Toby, when he showed up that day, it's like, I felt I knew him before I was like, dude, let me get your chair. And I know as an actor, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you remember, I remember, um, cause I know as an actor, what it feels like to see your name on the back of the chair and, oh. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a special moment. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, Taylor, you know, is so on it in terms of making it that family. I mean, I, I've known him for 20 years. Michael Friedman's known him for 25 years, the other executive producer. He's just built a world around people he knows and trusts. And, and it's all um, artist driven. And, 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 you know, he was an acting coach for, for years. He was my acting coach before I, 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 um, I I think he, he got me my first couple of series. It was his, you know, specificity. And so when he watches actors, you know, he is the go-to guy. He's watching everything. And he sat in a room and, you know, I remember when he was a coach, he would just, he'd have a chair and you'd go in and there'd be a lineup of people and some very um, talented, famous people were um, coached by him. And so he knows what he's talking about. So when he built this world for all of us, no wonder it's familiar because he kind of knows what he's looking for. Kyle McMahon, you have the first question. The show is absolutely incredible. And uh, it's, it's very complex. The characters are very complex. There's a lot going on. Um, but for me, I think my favorite aspect of it is the dialogue, which there are so many incredible incredible, powerful lines. Uh, Diane, one of which you give, uh, many of which you give, but I think my favorite was regarding um, how, how, where you're talking to Jeremy about kind of the, um, the, this familial history and how you've kind of been watching it with his father and then now, you know, with, your son can you speak a little bit about uh you know what it means as an actor in regards to a show like this with such great lines well you know uh, they sent me the script and usually you know you go through the script and you look for your character i i i went through the script and I forgot to look for the char- my character. I forgot to look at Miriam, what Miriam does or says. And I thought, what, does she have nothing to do or say? And of course she did. 
Um, but I'm, I was so compelled by the story and the characters and the writing, everything that you just said. Um, I thought, wow, I, I haven't read anything like this in a long time. Dana Amber Comey, you have the next question, please. Yes, thank you so much. My question is for both of you. We talked about previously how it takes place in a, in a prison and also about the psychological effects of not being in just a physical prison, but also the mental prison itself. Also generational, I don't want to say curses, but mindset. Do you feel at any point within the show that the characters will have an opportunity to break out of that cycle? Will we see that or will we see the constant kind of back and forth, whether or not they want to break free or do something different compared to what they are at the very beginning? Faced with in all of season one is will he be able to, uh, you know, break this generational dysfunction and so conflicted because he knows uh, what this what this town can bring to his family as he's lived it and all of his family members and also he's presented with an opportunity to leave this town go work for the troopers in another part of the state but uh, the conflict that he's dealing with is you know something that i think many people deal with it's like you know any right person in their mind would leave Kingst kingstown but you know just picking up and leaving everything you've ever known and, and going off into the unknown and starting something new it's it's there's a lot of fear uh, uh behind all that you don't know whether you're going to succeed whether you're going to fail and you know have to come back with your tail between your legs so while there is this um you know this this opportunity to break that generational dysfunction you know leaving everything you've ever known is not the easiest thing to do. So therein lies the conflict for Kyle specifically. And I keep on thinking, it's like the three sisters. Oh, to go to Moscow. Oh, to go to Moscow. Oh, to go to Moscow. And I'm telling my boys, go to Moscow. Go, go, go. And who isn't in Moscow? Me. I didn't have the courage to leave. But I, I am uh, in a rage to get my boys out. Mez, you have the next question, please. I'm, just, I'm a big fan of Taylor Sheridan's work. And I just, Dan, you talked a little bit about the writing already, but anything more about what he brings to the table, especially as a writer and of characters and of environments that, you know, you could sort of um, put your finger on? Um, for me, if, if it's okay, Taylor, I'll just say this. For me, um, I I have one um, teaching scene where I'm I'm teaching on the Civil War, and I had a lot to say about where we've come since the Civil War, which is not too far. Um, and he said, "No, no, you want to keep your feelings out of it. You just want to give the facts." Because if you start to lecture to people, which is what, you know, I think I was doing, I was trying to convince these, the kids that I was teaching to see how unfairly not just the prison system is, but the country is. He said, you're, you're going to take away an experience from the audience of letting them make up their mind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hey, Mez. Um, like you, I am a huge Taylor Sheridan fan. I think he's one of the most prolific filmmakers of the last decade. And to be able to get to do uh, this show with him has just been um, uh, an opportunity and a, and a dream fulfilled. And, um, you, you know, the environment that he uh, really allowed on film or allowed on, on set was just play. You know, he, he really trusted the actors, you know, he had gone through an extensive casting process and I have to give props to all the uh, actors that uh, are in this show. They all brought their A game, but also when we were just kind of in between uh, filming, everybody had just this soulfulness to them. And I think that really translates, um, you know, in this series uh, throughout. But yeah, uh, Taylor is just um, a true visionary and um, 
You know, he's everything you think he would be and more as a filmmaker. Jenna Bush, you have the next question, please. There's a really tense uh, family dynamic here. And, and I'd love for both of you to talk a little bit more about the family situation and what we're going to see. Uh, for, for Miriam, I think her, her troubles with her family troubles began um, and ended with the death of her husband and her, her son's father. I think, you know, perhaps when they were in their late teens, he died. And I think they worshipped him. And no matter what I've said, no matter how I have pleaded or threatened, um, they are following in his footsteps. And that's just the road paved to hell. And uh, I expect any day to get a knock on my door and another one of my children will be dead. That causes me a huge rage towards them, sort of as a defense, I guess, against the love and the fear. Yeah, you know, living in this in this town, living in Kingston, Kingstown, we are all faced with uh, danger daily, and that just adds the intensity to already an intense family dynamic, especially between what I well. Diane, I'm going to speak for the both of us, but it, for, for our characters uh, specifically, you know, Kyle, he lives at home with his wife, with Miriam, and being the youngest of the three, I think Miriam sees the potential for Kyle to actually get out from this town, get away from this danger. However, as she put it earlier, you go to Moscow, you go to Mo Moscow, you go to Moscow. She doesn't go to Moscow. And I think that if, you know, I believe that Kyle thinks that, well, if, you know, you're telling me to leave, then why don't we all leave together? But everyone's kind of faced with the same issue. And that is, do we really want to leave everything we've ever known? In fact, I think the name of the town we live in, Kingstown, was, you know, you have to believe that we came here and, we, you know, we settled in this town with the ideal that we were all going to be, you know, kings of this town and where it's gone is just, uh, it's gone incredibly downhill. But, you know, I think we're still there trying to, you know, hold on to this ideal or hold on to something. <laughs> Meredith Jacobs, you have the next question. So kind of speaking of that, those complicated family dynamics, who do each of your characters trust? Because this seems like one of the shows where you can't trust anyone but yourself. Exactly. I trust no one. Well, I think that Kyle, deep down, he wants to trust his family and his loyalty lies with his family. And the dynamic with between the brothers and him it's 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 a little difficult because they do in essence use Kyle um, and his you know they use Kyle to do things in the gray area they kind of hide behind Kyle's shield however there's not much to really hide behind because everyone in this town the corrections officers the um, you know, the local, the local officers and, um, you know, the people who hold office in this town, they're all kind of in bed with one another, but yes, it's a, it's a, it's a minefield and it's very tough to navigate, especially when it comes to trust. Jean Bentley, you have the next question. I think in this world, it's very clear that um, power is kind of the most important currency of all. And I'm wondering specifically within the family, how does that play out? Who does have the most power in this family? Who has the most influence? Is it you, Diane, or is it is it someone else? <laughs> I, I, I think Miriam would like to think it's her, but she knows she has no power whatsoever over her sons. She can't save them. She can't... Uh, make them do anything, you know, even come to dinner. 
um, have, a, have a sit down dinner with them, get time to tell, you know, my youngest, his beautiful wife can't even get a moment to tell him she's pregnant, he's having a son. I, I have no power. And that gives me uh, a strange kind of power in a way. If you know that you're powerless, you're kind of a, a, a loose cannon. Paulette Cohn, you have the last question, please. Diane, um, you talked in your in the teaching scene um, about keeping your uh, Miriam keeping her emotions out of it so that the audience can make their own decisions on it. But it seemed to me watching it that in a way she does still have some hope for the town because she is trying to instill a sense of pride in these women that she's teaching by telling them the true history. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's the young, the young inmates. It's not my sons, it's not my family. It's, it's this, this, I don't know, the poorest of the poor population that have nothing. And there, I think she feels great power. I think she feels, I think that's the time, uh, it's a strange thing to say, but that's her happiest time is when she's teaching. And she's free from the nightmare of her family and she's giving something, hopefully, they're half listening if they're not fully listening. And maybe they'll take something away from it, maybe a little dignity. And without further ado, uh, Vanessa, if you would ask the first question. Sure, thanks. Uh, this is Vanessa Armstrong, and I'm with Slash Film. Um, so Jeremy, uh, great to talk with you. Um, I know uh, we saw the first two episodes. It's a fantastic show. And I know it's not your first show with, with Taylor Sheridan. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, when you took on the character um, of Mike, what particular aspect of his character were you really excited to, you know, dig into as an actor? Well, I mean, from the beginning, it's just sort of figuring out, I mean, I don't know if I was excited as much as I was just sort of, uh, I had to find some sort of ground to stand on. Um, that world was was pretty foreign to me to understand how that, what that world is. I mean, it, it was pretty pretty foreign. So, I mean, I, it, it was the first, you know, few weeks, it was just about putting putting my feet on the ground, trying to understand, you know, because everything is also written in very sort of shorthand of that world. So, you know, I had Taylor there to help, you know, give me a lot of <laughs> understanding of what, the, the shorthand of all this information that was going back and forth. And what does this really mean? What's he really trying to say? And um, just didn't want to just say the words and not have a real, real understanding of the meaning of it. So a lot of it was that. So I can't say there's so much excitement about learning about, about it outside, just like really kind of more kind of, I need to figure out what these words, these really, this, what this world is, because it was very, very foreign to me. Once I got a grasp of that, then it was like all the more emotional sort of context of, of, of the character that was very complex. Uh, with his fortitude and strength and um, his fearlessness and his action ability, all those type of things were, you know, all assets and characteristics that I like to like to play. So, Hi, I'm Meredith Jacobs with TV Insider. And Mike seems like a guy who's always in control. What would it take for him to lose it? Uh, I don't know, you have to watch episode probably seven or eight. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about that. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it, it would be something, you know, very, it's a, it'd be a principled thing. It'd be a very principled thing. Yeah, to, to have, and that's a chink in the arm when you become, you become uh, a puppet, when you, when you can be manipulated by caring for somebody or protecting somebody. That would be the, the reason he gets out of control. Gene uh, Bentley from Rotten Tomatoes. So do you think your character kind of seems to reluctantly take up this mantle? Does he actually want to be in Kingstown? Does he want to be doing this? And what does he think he can achieve? Short answer is fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't want to fucking be there. But it's all, it's all when it's all you know, right? There, there is a, it, there's a there's a bleakness to the thing, but you don't know what you don't know what else to do. This is all you know in your life, right? When you grow up in a town of prison, where everything that in the in the town is about about incarceration, um, you know, it, it's like what else do you do? Where else do you go? Yeah, you go to Florida, and you, you know, what are you gonna do there? 
<laughs> all your life is known and built around uh, this sort of this environment. And these people are products of, of that environment. So there's a, a sadness and acceptance of this sort of thing. It's like, why don't all these people just get the hell out of there? But um, they're in it. They're in it and they do it. And uh, but there's there, there is also something that that it feels OK. Of like, how do you give someone just some sort of peace? Doesn't mean you make them smile. Doesn't mean anything else. But just give them some sort of sense of peace, and that that is, I think, what drives Mike. Uh, and then you know, and a lot of people, a lot of characters in this show, yeah, just trying to keep the peace. Yeah. Jeremy, hi. Um, hi. One of the things that struck me when I was watching him, and he acts kind of fierce in some ways. Is he a brave man? Um, but if he is a brave man, then why can't he leave town? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, he. I think he is brave, and think he's very actionable in, in what he does. But you know, like I was saying earlier, it's. It, I think it's the plight of the people that were are in this environment. You know, yes, they can physically leave, but then where are they going to go in, in perpetuity? And, and when you like, if you're a wrench, you can only do a few things in life. To get, uh, you can unscrew things, right? You know, you got it. You got to be around things to unscrew. If you're a screwdriver or a thing, this is what they're built to be, right? There's a limitation to that environment. You know, there's a there's a great sadness to that, right? But, you know, when you have an acceptance of it, you, just, you do what you got to do, right? Um, but yeah, that's the inner struggle with, with the whole family that's really involved in, the, in this show. Um, no different from a lot of parts of, of this country that, that are like that, you know? And I've, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of... of exploring and understanding some of those communities like Charlestown and the town, like that happens, like it, that exists in the Charlestown. You just, nobody goes across the bridge. It's right there. Boston's right there. There's 25 year olds I know that never went across the bridge. That exists, it's mind, it's mind boggling to me. Um, but it does happen, but it's, you know, you learn it's a, but that's what makes it, that's what makes these sort of like microcosm in these communities of human behavior so fucking fascinating to watch, right? Because we're not living in that, but we gotta, you, you're gonna wanna watch this stuff because you're gonna see what, what how this plays out. Because this, this is real, this, this shit's happening. And to me, it's fascinating. And, and Taylor's uh, put this amazing story that is all based in truths. Um, and really fantastic writing, great characters. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it really is captivating, captivating to me. Yeah. Monica, hey Jeremy, so nice to meet you. Um, the show is so good. So I just want to start off. Basically, the show starts off, and I feel like you're just running, like you're just in it. Yeah. And I was just curious why, you know, once your brother dies, I feel I feel like that was an opportunity for you to leave, right? Yeah. And he struggles with it back and forth, and then ultimately, in the end, decides to stay and help. Why do you think that he decided to stay versus finally getting a chance to really leave what what he knows that that was like his opening? <laughs> but he's yeah, saying, yeah, 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 that's 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 the idea. I mean, I think that comes with you know the audience and any person could answer that as much as anybody else. You know, the the the, the deal that came back on that is you know, gals and crying and need help, and I know how to help her, and where am I going to go? And just you have to, you know that. I tried to even play that in the in the scene, so so you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> but it's it's what else are you gonna do? You know what else what else are you gonna do? This is what I know how to do. So uh, he's he's uh, but thank God for the mayor. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's you know it's, it's we got you got to see more episodes. It's not gonna let up. <laughs> it's not gonna let up. What has the transition and adjustment been like going from a live action superhero like Hawkeye to a more slow burn series as a shady politician like Mike? Yeah, transition is, you know, whatever. It's, it's easy, easy enough. You know, look, it's a different country. Uh, you know, that, that was more of a transition than anything else during a pandemic. That was, that was, a, that was you know, a little, a little tricky. But the actual, you know, once you're on set and you get the understanding of it, you know, you fall right into it and fall right into place when you got surrounded by different, you know, different actors, different sets, different costumes and all these things. Yeah, I didn't really realize the difference um, that we were doing until I saw like the first or second episode early on in the process. I'm like, wow, wow, this is like, this is pretty intense. This is pretty intense compared to like, you know, the, 
the, the the Hawkeye show and the the lighter fare and the happiness and the Christmas music and then there's like you know <laughs> there's the harrowing uh, storytelling of Taylor Sheridan. Um, but blessed to be able to do both, man. Is uh, you know very 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 happy to be able to do both. Hi, um, I'm Leo Berger from Pace Magazine. So, Jeremy, you've worked in so many different mediums, from like film to even music, but this is your first time really leading a whole television show. Yeah. So I was wondering what it was like, like approaching this medium for the first time as like a TV star, how it compared to different creative endeavors and all that. It's the same thing as film, but it's like, it was a lot. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a lot and blessed to, to, to work. Man, and I love it, but it was the uh, the big learning curve was like it's, it's it is every day and it is relentless and it just does not stop and it, it feels like it's all on me because I guess it it is in some ways but then it isn't because there's amazing other cast members but both these shows were anchored on the characters I played and with that became the responsibility and the duties that that come along with that and responsibility is on and off camera and setting the tone and, and uh, for the show and how to work and work ethic and I'll always work the hardest to follow the people can follow suit if they choose like that all that's kind of was new um but I, but I also enjoyed that but it was a lot man it was, I'll tell you what it was a lot it was a it was a very long strong year of work and glad to do it during a time where it's difficult for anybody to do anything with this lockdown and and we're all kind of trapped in our homes. And um, so I was glad to be able to, to kind of get up and do it. And it was, um, wow, but I, you know, I wonder what it'd been like if I was like more prepared in the sense of like in my body and the thing, like we were back in our, our normal lives, if you will, like when we're out and about and really kind of act more active in life in a way, instead of being like, <laughs> it's like coming out of a, a box and like, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> no bow and arrow and what are we doing? Is you know, it's a, it's psychologically, it was, a, it was a big shift as well to be amongst people <laughs> all of a sudden. Because I, you know, I wasn't prior. Um, so there's a lot of weird shifts um, from film or music, whatever the heck I've done in my life. But uh, and it was all great. I learned, I learned a ton, and uh, and I was blessed to have those opportunities. Hey, Jeremy, Kyle McMahon. So this show is absolutely incredible. And, you know, you have a, an amazing body of work. You have, you know, particularly most famously, I think, with Hawkeye been hero. Uh, you've played some villains, but I, I'm interested in as an actor. Do you see Mike as a hero? I think there are some, I don't think, you know, I think that, I mean, hero is the right word but you know there's a through line to it like he he's wants to do good for other people right there's he's a selfless guy i think that that is a, a word that's if it's heroic he's a, he's a selfless act um right heroism would be something that's a selfless act and this is what he does anything nothing he's doing is for himself and um there's, there's something heroic about that you know um to be selfless Dana Abercrombie from The Coalition. One of the most strongest lines that was delivered was by Diane Wiest, who stated basically that you worked incredibly hard and you accomplished nothing. With that conversation and also people around you are always kind of surprised you're not dead yet. Do yeah. you feel that within the series, Mike will change his tactic and maybe change his point of view? I mean, I think that is maybe sort of, <laughs> that is kind of thematically what, what this show is, is just that. Um, yes, he, he does he do a whole lot. Yes, he do a lot of amazing things, but ultimately it's just anything ultimately gonna shift and change. And that's the, the fertility of, of the job and of that life and the environment that, that everyone is living in. The only thing, the best thing anybody can do is just leave, but they just can't because they care or they, they, all they know. Um, and does, does Mike make shifts to different things? Uh, uh, you'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I would, I would assume so. I would assume so, yeah, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> I'm excited for you guys to see this. Yeah, hey, Jeremy, uh, Mark Mazoris with the News Hub in Cleveland and Digital First Media. Um, I'll, I think I'll piggyback on a question I asked in a previous one about Taylor Sheridan, as it's been yeah. established, you've worked with him before. What, where does he excel as a writer and director? Why are you back for more work with him? 
I mean, I, I just I just love how wonderfully honest uh, his writing is. And, and it, it comes with, you know, the ferocity of his words and the actions that he uses the, the words uh, against. It's, you know, it's violent uh, as is equally beautifully, thematically uh, poetic and timely and important um, with social issues. Um, and and then even in delicate in its in its in its uh, in its words and in, in its poetry and in its intimacy and thoughtfulness, um, and when you have that sort of yin and yang of, of of dialogue, let alone storytelling, it just it creates a wonderful just smash of drama, and um, but it's it's always purposeful. Everything is purposeful. There's no fat in it. It's it's just like it's just like. It's like David and Goliath. It's just like Greek mythology. It's just, I think the most pure, raw, I think it's a really great word to express how Taylor writes. And, and, and if, you, if you've seen Wind River or Yellowstone or any stuff that, that Taylor's done, Hill or High Water, those types of things, you'll see it. It's very, very, very consistent in everything he does, no matter the, the world. This is a very new world for Taylor, right? This is a more urban uh, community. And the, the issues that lie in, in the urban communities or even in this, this town that then they exist of, of incarceration is the business. Either inside the prison, you're outside the prison, work for the prison, or waiting for someone to come out of that prison. You know what I mean? That's, that's the world. And that world exists. And, you know, I think it's, it's captivating what, what he's written um, and his challenge himself to understand uh, the issues and social issues that happen just inside the prisons and outside the prisons, you know, and it's fascinating to me. And uh, I, I, I can't wait for people to watch it. But Mike has a really interesting dynamic with Bunny. Can you talk a little bit about the history there? Yeah, yeah that that's, you know, God, he's such a wonderful actor. Toby's such a wonderful actor, man. I love that guy so much. And he, he created such a, a, a dynamic character and then with, with that we, we had this wonderful relationship it was, it was written as like an interesting relationship as it as it was anyway but it's the closest thing to a, a friend that mike mccluskey ever kind of gets to even though at any given moment you know they probably kill each other but there's a a, a beautiful sort of sentiment of treading water you know trying your best with the, the the limitations from the environment that you that you grew up in, um, and you, they, they shared their, their their sort of own self awareness of the bleakness of their lives, and I think there's something beautiful thematically to to, to share with audiences in in that um, about how to understand how to understand one another, um, and the best way to do that is to shut up and fucking listen. Isn't that fucking cool? <laughs> I think that's amazing. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. I love that relationship. I think you'll see you'll see more when uh, what I'm talking about when you kind of watch that that the level and depth of that their uh, I hate to say friendship, but the level of their exp life experiences together um, come to more, build into more things. It's beautiful.